This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at Mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. And away we go. Uh, August. Can you believe it, Chuck Freebie? 2020. I can believe it's August because July is finished up. Looking forward to August. A busy month of sports. 223, the episode. Oh, the Hooks Douse episode. Hooks Douse? Yes. Fine pitcher for the Tigers back in the teens and the 20s. He got the nickname Hooks because of his curveball was so hard to hit. One of Indiana's own. He uh, grew up in Indianapolis, went to Manual High School, and he won 223 games for the Tigers, 24 of them in 1915, 21 in 1923. He's Hooks Douse. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! The honeymoon for me is not over yet with the start of baseball. I still enjoy just watching the games. Yes, absolutely. My friend has uh, the marquee network, so I spent some time in his garage yesterday and just enjoying the competitiveness. 2-1 ball game yesterday. The Cubs finish off a sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The best record in the National League is found on the north side of Chicago. 7-2 and two so far. Now, you might say, well, who have they played? Well, they've played teams within their division, which is who you have to beat in order to get to the playoffs this year. So, 7-2 and two against the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates. They have not faced the Cardinals yet. They have not faced anybody from the American League Central yet. That'll start tonight as Kansas City pays a visit to Wrigley Field. But the Cubs have been getting tremendous starting pitching. John Lester, another great effort yesterday, as six innings of one-run ball. The difference yesterday, Corey, the bullpen actually came in and shut people down, which is not something that the Cub bullpen had been doing, even though they've been winning. 
I turned to my friend AJ and I said uh, to AJ, I said, AJ, uh, what did I say to him yesterday about the Cubs game? We could watch a new game every day this week. Don't they play pretty much every they play night? Every day this week, their next. Now, that's if the schedule holds up. More about that later. But yes, they are scheduled to play two against Kansas City at Wrigley, then go to Kansas City for two, scheduled to go to St. Louis this coming weekend. Then they would have an off day next Monday before heading to Cleveland. Okay. Were the Royals in Chicago already with the White Sox? No, the Royals were playing in Kansas City. Okay. Uh, so they're going to make some use of their little charter plane to go back and forth from Chicago for this day. Uh, the Royals did not play well against the White Sox. Very good weekend for the White Sox as well. They broke out the whooping sticks on Saturday and Sunday. 21 hits in the win on Saturday. And then yesterday, the rookie Nick Madrigal, who just got called up on Friday, had a four-hit game hitting at the bottom of the lineup. And the Sox beat Kansas City 9-2. So Chicago now in second place in the American League Central, a couple of games behind the Red Hot Minnesota Twins, who are also 7-2 and two and also getting tremendous pitching. But the story for the White Sox, as we expected it would be, has been the bats. Uh, Luis Robert, a four-hit game on Saturday. Madrigal, a four-hit game on Sunday. White Sox also made some history. I believe it was Friday night. It was the first time that the one, two, three, four hitters in a lineup had all been of Cuban descent. Hmm. So, little history there. Tigers, they had an interesting weekend. They uh, they had beaten the Reds on Friday, got rained out on Saturday, so they played a doubleheader on Sunday, a pair of seven-inning games. We talked about that on the last Yak. And in these two seven-inning games, the Reds beat the Tigers 4-3 and 4 nothing. So Detroit finds itself now behind Chicago in the American League Central standings at 5-5. Five and five. So they have the night off, but you're in your notes here. They could have the week off. Why is that? Well, the latest coronavirus outbreak in Major League Baseball has happened with the St. Louis Cardinals. They had one player and three staff members test positive on Saturday. There were more multiple coronavirus positive tests on Sunday. We don't know how many of those were players and how many of them were staff. Uh, so they seem to have a little outbreak. And you might say... Well, why did the Cardinals get an outbreak? Chuck, you told us that with the Marlins, it's because they went to a gentleman's club when they were in Atlanta for the last of the preseason games. They went out and they celebrated at a gentleman's club and they got the coronavirus there. Where on earth would the Cardinals have picked up a coronavirus? The casino, ladies and gentlemen, would appear to be the place where the Cardinals went. And so... You have these ripple effects now that have happened throughout baseball. They lost an entire weekend series with the Brewers. That was postponed. And now the question is, will they be able to play the Tigers this week at Comerica Park? And at a certain point, I think Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, has to act with some, perhaps, jurisdiction against some of these teams who are breaking the rules because... You've got 28 other teams who seem to be following the protocols of Major League Baseball and staying corona-free, and a little trip to the Gentleman's Club and a little trip to the casino 
has caused Major League Baseball for some people to ponder whether the season should continue at all. Now, Manfred said over the weekend, we're going on with the season. And if people follow the protocols, and he's right about this so far, if people follow the protocols, it shouldn't be a problem. Why these teams or why the some people within these teams felt that they didn't need to follow the protocols is beyond me. Lack of common sense. It would seem to be that way. And I, I personally would like to see teams either. Now, it was explained to me that with Major League Baseball, you still have a 40-man roster. So we talked last time, well, why can't they just bring up the guys from the taxi squads to be on? Some of those guys are on the 40-man roster, and some of them would be called up. But it's not like you can bring up the whole crew from South Bend. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys were sent to South Bend because, well, you can't play, you know, five-on-five five scrimmages and things like that. You have to have enough bodies, and so that's why some of those guys are in South Bend, just to kind of make competitions happen at practices and things like that. For review, how many are in South Bend right now? I believe there are now 15 in South Bend. Okay. And 30 on the major league roster. So of those 15 in South Bend, 10 would be considered part of the 40-man roster for the squad to pick from. Um, And then five you would not be able to bring up. We're going to shift gears now and talk about football. Chuck walked in bright and early this morning and handed me some papers. The Pac-12 football unity demands... In a segment I like to call, What the FUD? <laughs> well, this is an interesting situation developing uh, inside college athletics. Uh, Pat Forty had a column, which I reposted on my Twitter account, which I think you should read to kind of get the the breadth of what the NCAA is under right now. At 46 Sports? At 46 Sports. Part of what is ailing the NCAA right now is the... They don't have a clear coronavirus policy for their student-athletes. And so there's about 100 football players inside the Pac-12 conference who have united together and say, we're not playing unless our demands are met. Now, it's interesting. They wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune over the weekend and the first part of the piece, which I didn't hand you, kind of lays out why they're doing what they're doing. But it was done almost like a uh, almost like a preamble to the Constitution in some ways. And some of the claims that they make, I think, are valid, and some of the claims that they make are not. But here is what they are demanding for both scholarship and walk-on athletes. Um, Number one, they want health and safety protections. So they want to have the option to not play during the pandemic without losing eligibility or a spot on a team's roster. And they want to prohibit having to sign a COVID-19 agreement that waives their liability. Or actually not their liability, but the institution's liability. So they don't want to have to be made to do that. They also want 
health and safety standards enforced by a third party selected by the players to address COVID-19 as well as serious injury, abuse, and death, as they say. Um, it's not a bad idea in principle. I'm not sure it's an idea, uh, the third party handling the COVID testing, I'm not sure is an idea that's going to necessarily happen. But we'll see. Uh, I don't disagree that they should have some COVID-19 protections. Then, they, in my eyes, they start to overstep their bounds a little bit. They want to preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. And they want to see uh, the Pac-12 commissioner, administrators, and coaches voluntarily and drastically reduce what they claim is excessive pay. Well, it's a free market. And the problem is, if you can get that money under a free market, who is somebody else to tell you that you're getting paid too much? I mean, you and I may think that coaches and administrators and the Pac-12 commissioner are being paid too much. And we may be right, but we don't have the right to tell somebody else how much they should be paid. Nor does a football player have the right to tell a university that uh, you should have these athletic programs in your, you, sh you should have the badminton program or you should have the sailing program or the fencing program. That's not within your purview. So to me, that's where there's some overstepping of the bounds. They use an example that Stanford University should reinstate all sports that have been discontinued by tapping into their $27.7 billion endowment. That, that's good for you to say, but that doesn't necessarily carry any weight. Also, did you not think that Stanford's probably had that conversation and there are more people at the table making decisions that are wiser it, than... It reeks of arrogance, but I also yeah. remember when I was in college and when I was younger, you know, wanting wanting to change, you want to change the world. And, you know, the, look, they're approaching this probably as a negotiation. You ask for the world and you get yeah. a little bit less. That That's, I mean, that's just the way it is in business. Number three on their list of demands is ending racial injustice in college sports and society. Well, that's a terrific goal. Uh, I'm not sure it's a goal that's going to be achieved by the time football season needs to come around. So they want to form a, a permanent task force made up of leaders, experts of our choice, and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues. I think these are conversations that every school is having right now anyway with its players and administrative team. They want 2% of conference revenue to be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on campus. Again, I have the feeling that there might even be more than that than they realize happening already. Uh, number four on their list of demands, economic freedom and equity. They want guaranteed medical expense coverage. Actually, this I agree with them on. I, I don't see where if you 
have a scholarship athlete or even a walk-on athlete participating in a sport, I would think that it's the university's moral um, obligation to cover them for injuries that occur in those sports. I don't understand why that would not already happen. They talk about name, image, and likeness rights and representation. Well, they've already been granted that by the courts. The question will be, how many people will actually be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness? So, for instance, uh, you look at the Notre Dame football team. Well, Ian Book's the quarterback. Yeah, he might be able to benefit from his name, image, and likeness. Uh, think about, okay, who who's the top defensive player on the team? Let's say it's Dalen Hayes. He might be able to. That's two out of 103. And that's probably... All that will be able to, there aren't going to be that many people who benefit from their name, image, and likeness on a college team. And that's just football. If, if you trickle it down to the other sports, it's going to be even fewer and fewer. Here's the one. Fair market pay rights and freedoms. Distribute 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. There won't be sports if that happens. That that will be the killing of the goose that laid the golden egg right there. Because, frankly, 60% of college athletic programs won't make money unless football is played, but I don't think they're making enough to distribute half of the revenue. Now, if they want half of the profits, that's a possibility. But half of the revenue... Evenly among athletes, that's not going to happen. And then they go on to talk about ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment. I think that's fair. Ability to complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft if a player goes undrafted and forgoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. If you don't hire an agent, that probably happens already. And then they talk about due process rights, which that's kind of a nebulous thing. So some of the demands that they're making, I agree with. I think they're overreaching somewhat. We'll see what happens here in the Pac-12. There's been some talk already um, among conferences with the COVID protocols. And the SEC had some of its student-athletes approach medical officials uh, asking, you know, about the long-term effects, about what playing under the pandemic is like right now. And the SEC wasn't really wild about the fact that that conference call got leaked to the media in these days where anybody can record a Zoom call, anybody seems to be able to record a phone call, leaks are going to happen. Uh, I think these student-athletes have every right to check out what their rights are under COVID-19 and and opting out if they don't feel comfortable with that. But trying to dictate the terms to the Pac-12 and the universities of uh, how they distribute their monies, that's going to be a very difficult achievement. I don't know if you purposefully skip past the freedom of speech, the ability to fully participate in I, charitable work. I did not. I'm sorry. I didn't even see it. There. No, that's okay. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's a, hey, I want to go be a part of a march. I want to be a part of a unsanctioned protest. I want to speak my mind. You know. It, well, 
that's a balancing act, I think, because if if you're looking to be paid, if you're looking for all these things that basically make you an employee, employee. there it is of a university, you got to follow the guidelines of like an employee handbook, right? But if you're not looking to be an employee, if you're looking to just have the amateur status that you have right now, then you can participate in those things. Now, I'm sure each player says, okay, you say that, and maybe in theory that's true, but if my coach disagrees with the charity or the march or the cause that I'm involved with, you know, there could be a recrimination, there could be a retribution on his part, my playing time could be diminished, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's probably an accurate statement to make. So, yes, is there some room for negotiation on this? Is there some room for improvement by colleges and universities towards the treatment of student-athletes? Yes. I would remind each and every one of these people that's participating in the Pac-12, if they're receiving a scholarship, they are receiving compensation for their abilities. So this has been presented to someone, and you know it begins the back and forth, right? Because Is there a these, deadline? these players are threatening not to play this season, mm-hmm. not to participate in practices, not to participate in training camps. Now there's a hundred players scattered across the Pac-12. So math tells me that's eight or nine players per institution. Significant number, yes, depending on who they are. Who they are, yeah. Are they your stars? Are they a second right. tier? Okay. Because could each program probably get by without eight or nine players? Sure they could. For the common fan, some of those Pac-12 teams are? Well, you go, let's start in the Northwest. You go Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, and then you have Utah and Colorado. That's the Pac-12. Okay. But what happens there, could it spread to other schools? Could, could it this spread? be the start of, oh, wait a minute, look what they're doing. Now it's our version, a Big Ten's version of this, or a of course. ACC version of this. Sure. SEC version of this. Okay. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on this story and see how it progresses. There are a lot of people who wonder whether there will still be a college football season, even though we've seen all of this uh, scheduling talk happen within the last week. By the way, the Big Ten, well, we're waiting because they have not come out with their schedule yet as to when their games will be. If there are college football games this year played at Indiana and Purdue, you'll hear them on Pulse FM. Chuck, the Blackhawks are back on the ice tonight. Boy, that was fun to watch on Saturday. I don't know if you watched any of the hockey on Saturday or not. It was on NBC. And the Blackhawks pounded Edmonton 6-4, and the game really wasn't that close. Edmonton got a couple of goals late in the fourth period. Uh, Dominic Kubelik played a magnificent game for Chicago. The rookie who led the NHL in goals scored by rookies this year had five points in the game with two goals and three assists. Taze and Kane each scored a goal, and the Hawks looked really good. They were very aggressive going after the puck. They looked, even though they're a young team, 
Corey, I think if you're a youngster sitting in that locker room as you get ready for your first playoff game and you look across the way and there's Taze, he's won three Stanley Cups. There's Kane, he's won three Stanley Cups. There's Duncan Keith, he's won a cup. Oh, I'm with some guys that know what they're doing. That makes me feel more comfortable when I get on the ice. And the Hawks look comfortable. Corey Crawford did a good job in goal, which is a remarkable story in and of itself because Corey Crawford has had to shake off A, injury, and B, COVID-19, in order to get himself back on the ice. So we'll see what happens tonight. It's a late-night game for us South Menders. A 10.30 start on NBC Sports Network. So... I'll be checking out the highlights in the morning when I get up, as you will be too. But Hawks are the underdog in this series. They are a 12 seed. Edmonton is a 5 seed. But, boy, if the Hawks continue and pick up where they left off on Saturday, maybe they can pull off the upset. It's interesting, Corey, in the hockey so far. It's been a little bit like the NCAA tournament. You know, the NCAA tournament, those 12 seeds can... Really surprised the five seed. So, yes. Well, that's that's what's been happening so far, both in the East and the West. So we'll see what happens. The underdogs have kind of had their day so far in the restart of hockey. I've got a quick NBA story for you before we jump into what's going on today. So last Thursday night was the, the relaunch, the yeah. restart, and uh, we have pulled the trigger on AT&T. So we have that now in the house to be able to watch some other channels. But Thursday night, we had to watch the NBA games via the NBA app. Okay. And you had four uh, views to choose from. Uh, backboard, for, for example. Uh, we watched the Pelicans and the other team. And we, of course, chose the Pelicans backboard. So it was basically the... Uh, so you could see Zion dunk. Basically the vertical version of the uh, the floor where we switched to AT&T. We got that nice sideline shot. But Friday morning, my 13-year-old was on Instagram, and Reggie Miller, of all people, popped on there on Instagram Live and said, hey, who watched last night? What was your experience? And my son jokingly hit the ad video when you're watching an Instagram Live. And it's up to the host to go, yeah, you can join in on the conversation. Reggie Miller allows my son to have this conversation with him that went on for a record 10 minutes. How cool is that? And uh, I was told that the conversation was, Caleb, where are you from? And he said, Granger, Indiana. Reggie says, I have no idea where that's at. Mom chimes in on the video, South Bend, Notre Dame area. Oh, of course. So uh, he told Reggie, we watched the backboard version of the game. He enjoyed that. He enjoyed the mosaic version, which is all four on the screen. He got a kick out of the virtual audience underneath the basket. Uh, enjoyed seeing some other players in the virtual lounge coming and going. Apparently, Chris Paul was very funny during some of those moments. Uh, and they had a nice little 10-minute conversation about the NBA. I didn't realize it was 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That is, that's great. And good for Reggie for just opening himself up to the fans and yes. letting them talk to him. He called me after we got off the air Reggie? Friday morning. No, my son. Oh. <laughs> it was one tier lower. And uh, he's like, Dad, I talked to Reggie Miller. I was like, yeah, okay. Then the picture popped up on my phone. I was like, my gosh, that's Reggie Miller right there. So that's a memory for the ages. That's great. So, yes, we watched a lot of NBA over the weekend, watched uh, LeBron in his game. I feel like it just feels like one big pickup game. 
I don't feel like there's a sense of urgency in these games. Well, there's not yet because you're still in this series of games before the playoffs to determine playoff position. Mm. And a lot of these teams are pretty well etched into their playoff position. I think the Lakers need one more win. Now, the Lakers played the Raptors, and the Raptors are really good. They're the defending world champs, let me remind you. I will agree with you on that. So... Let's face it, that that's uh, that's not the easiest matchup for the Lakers, and they're trying to get back into the flow a little bit. I mentioned in the sportscast this morning, I thought the big deal game last night was San Antonio beating Memphis because the Spurs are trying to catch the Grizzlies uh, for that last spot in the Western Conference playoffs. The story that got my attention from the bubble over the weekend was T.J. Warren. The Pacers get... 53 out of T.J. Warren on Saturday night and beat Philadelphia. And let me tell you, Warren was launching some rockets from way downtown and hitting them. That Pacers bench was going nuts every time he put one up. And what a performance by Warren. Indiana, I think they could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Remember, they're getting Victor Oladipo back in the lineup now. He has not played that much, if at all, this year. And here's a Pacers team that has endured the loss of their best player throughout the year, and they're 40-26. and That's a pretty good record. So let's see how they play together as Oladipo starts to get back into this lineup on a regular basis. Couple of quick hits. Golf. Justin Thomas wins the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. New number one player in the world. Of course, golf has a major tournament this weekend with the PGA Championship out in San Francisco. Some names. Some of the older players have decided not to play this year. Guys like John Daly, VJ Singh, because of their uh, concerns about the coronavirus. But it will be a top-notch field, and, and we'll see how Tiger plays. The last time we saw Tiger Woods on a golf course... It didn't look that good. But you see the young guns once again rising up in golf. These guys like Brooks Kepka, who kind of fell apart down the stretch last night. Uh, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler. Uh, those are three pretty good names right there to keep an eye on this weekend in San Francisco. Brad Keselowski gets his third win of the season in New Hampshire with NASCAR. Uh, the big news there is the fact that either Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin didn't win. Unfortunately, uh, Ryan Newman continues to be on the struggle bus. He'll, he is questionable as to whether he'll be able to make the playoffs in NASCAR this year. The other big story for me, Corey, is the fact that here we are. I believe, if my count is right, it has been 142 days since an Indiana high school team has been able to practice or compete. And the drought is now over. Today is the first day of football practice in the state of Indiana. Is the first day for other fall sports, and girls golfers are competing today for their first matches of the season. And it is a delight for me as a high school sports maven aficionado uh, to see high school sports back on the docket. Do you see yourself going to a practice, or is that media not allowed? I am going to one this afternoon. I reached oh. out to uh, a local head coach. I won't disclose which one yet. Uh, But I reached out to a local coach and said, may I come by? And he said, by all means. And so 
I will go over there. I will take my mask. <laughs> Stay in your car, of course. I will take my <laughs> mask, and uh, we shoot we shoot things on the the iPhone here, so I don't have to worry about getting too close necessarily uh, to get the comments, and and we'll see how things go. Chuck, you're on Twitter. I am. I'm at Forty Six Sports. We have just a a cavalcade of information, and sometimes some of it's useful. Uh, I'll tweet out that uh, Reggie and uh, my son's picture on Sportsiac, at Sportsiac. That's with two Ks, right? Uh, the Twitter is not two Ks. Oh. The Instagram and the email is. I see. Yeah, Sportsiac, we actually snuck it in there. Okay. One K. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uno K for Twitter, dos for other <laughs> social media. So endeth episode 223. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga hooks douse. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. Sport Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. The Sports Yak Podcast with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit the archives for previous coach and athlete interviews. Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.